Hello, and welcome to Buy Staff for Staff, a principle-based management podcast of inspiring true stories told by your colleagues right here in the Stand Together community. I'm your host, Rob Rafferty. In this show, you'll hear directly from your colleagues about what it means to apply principle-based management, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the ins and outs of putting principle-based management into practice each and every day. At its core, Principle-based management is about empowering each of us to pursue our potential, to unleash our gifts and passions, to create incredible value for others. And how exactly do we do this, you ask? Well, we turn to the principles of human progress. In today's episode, we'll hear from Nate Anderson, Executive Vice President of Operations for Stand Together Foundation, who has been with our community for over nine years. Join us as Nate takes us through a critical junction he experienced in his role. See how he personally applied principle-based management to navigate the uncertainty by turning to a key principle, the principle of self-actualize. Trust me, I realize at first, listen, self-actualize may sound like a word straight out of the ancient writings of Aristotle or Plato, but when you fully wrap your head around it, self-actualize can become a principle you practice every day. It means that we can live a life of meaning when we continually discover, develop, and apply our unique gifts to benefit others. And folks, it's a journey, not a destination. As we dive into Nate's story, we'll discover the introspective, often uncomfortable work he had to engage in on his journey. By embracing a desire to contribute, Nate confronted his unease with humility. He acted on his motivation to harness his strengths and passions and contribute them to add value to others and to our community. And as you listen closely to Nate's saga, you might just see a bit of yourself in his story and discover some ideas to help you on your own journey to self-actualize. All right, are you ready to rock? Let's do this. Take it away, Nate. My name is Nate Anderson. I'm the Executive Vice President of Operations at Stand Together Foundation. And I've been with Stand Together in the community for nine years. Before my current role at Stand Together Foundation, I was the Executive Director at Concerned Veterans for America. And I was in that role from spring of 2019 through summer of 2022. I I think The thing I liked the most about Concerned Veterans for America is that it was really an extension of military service. For me, for a lot of the other staff members, truly for a lot of our volunteers also, it was an extension of of the purpose that we felt in uniform because we we had a shared mission, we had a shared purpose, and uh, we really believed in what we were doing, and that, that, that brings people together. When I took on the executive director role in the spring of 2019, I had been with the organization since um, uh, not its founding, but close to its founding. So I had been around a while and I saw an opportunity. Um, let's just call it, call it a business need, right? The, the organization, the business had a need uh, in its growth and evolution as an organization. And I felt at that time that I had a set of skills that naturally I, I excelled at, right? So things like the ability to think 
strategically. Uh, the ability to, to coalesce a team around a goal and get stuff done, right? Those, those were things that at that point in time the, the organization needed. I had the ability to do that because of both my natural gifts, experiences I had before coming into that position. And, and so that excited me. Uh, however, it was still a moment of uh, intimidation. It was, it was, it was a, a role that I recognized was uh, very consequential to the future of the organization. And, and there was an intimidation there. That I that I also felt with that excitement. So it was a it was a, a healthy combination of feelings, you could say. Some of those intimidating feelings coming into a leadership role, uh, like I did, were probably connected with what I knew about myself. The organization needed me to do certain things, and some of those things I was naturally good at. Some of those things I was not naturally good at. And I recognized that. And there, so there, there was a, an intimidation there. Sometimes I look at that and I, I have this feeling of being an imposter, right? This concept of imposter syndrome. That was definitely something I related to at that time. When I look back at why I felt that, that imposter syndrome effect as I was taking on a leadership position. In my mind, I was, I, was, I was doing a few things at once. One, I was measuring myself against other leaders who had held that role in the past. And I, I just saw this inc- incredible contrast in skills and qualities that, that I wanted to measure up to, but I felt that in some ways I would never be able to. And so I was sort of measuring myself against others. I also was measuring myself against what I thought the role needed to be. And I knew that I could measure up against some of those needs, but that it would be a real uncomfortable stretch to meet some of the others. I was fearful that I wouldn't be able to compel and motivate and energize people in a public setting, right? So that that just gave me this underlying anxiety about that part of my responsibilities as as a leader and it was intimidating. So that was that was one area where I I thought to myself, boy, some someday somebody's going to going to look at me and they're going to be um they're they're going to find me out. I'm going to I'm going to be revealed <laughs> as an imposter. Um like I don't deserve to be there. I I I don't have what it takes to to lead the organization. And in those moments, it was helpful for me to remember that there were things that I was bringing to the table that were valuable. And that when I was honest about it, I was uniquely positioned and equipped to bring. And so it, it's been a humbling journey, to be sure. But, but in those moments, there's also opportunity to grow confidence because we all have those, those gifts that we are uniquely equipped and, and positioned to provide to people around us. And so that was always a, an encouragement to me when I was honest about it, introspective. One of the areas where I found success 
in applying my my gifts, applying things that I, that motivated me, and doing things that were valuable to the organization, to our staff, to our, our volunteers, was my ability to see the big picture and create a direction in terms of strategy. And for Concerned Veterans for America at that time, we were becoming heavily involved in the the war in Afghanistan issue. And we saw that as an opportunity to set ourselves apart from a lot of other organizations by, by being honest about the direction of that war. And so it was, it was exciting, fulfilling for me to, to feel like I was a part of that. And I was a significant contributor to that in my leadership position. And it was a kind of a moment of fulfillment for me when that happened. And, and obviously, you know, we can look back and say it was successful now because we're, we've, we've gotten out of Afghanistan. So some closure there that I think that was, <laughs> uh, that was really good to see. Um, uh, sir, I cannot take credit for all of it. <laughs> I want to be clear about that. That was, it was a team effort, but I was able to apply that strategy at Concerned Veterans for America in, in a cohesive, coherent, uh, positive direction. And it was successful. I could summarize my time at Concerned Veterans for America, particularly those few years as executive director, as the beginning of of a self-actualization journey. I would say the reason for that is because it coincided with this experience we all shared, and and that was the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, That was a time in all of our lives where to some extent, life changed. And in, in moments of change, uh, I can, I'll speak for myself here, but I'm, I'm probably not alone. Moments of change are, are moments where we become introspective. And in that unique circumstance, we had a lot of time and space <laughs> to be introspective. During that period of introspection, over the, the kind of the height of the pandemic, I had, I can look back and say I, I had kind of reached a stride in my role. And so my, my confidence actually had increased. So I was no longer feeling that imposter syndrome. I could, I could look at what I was doing and I could confidently say, Nate is providing what the organization needs at this moment in time. And he's uniquely positioned to do that. And so I, I had confidence in that. I could, I could point to examples where that was true. And so my 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 uh, battle with the imposter syndrome was not heightened at that point, but I still felt unease. Admittedly, you know, when when I first started hearing about this idea of self-actualization, it was ethereal and and sort of intangible. Frankly, I didn't really understand what it was all about. And as I learned about applying my natural gifts, applying my areas of fulfillment in a way that created value for other people or, you know, in my circumstance for the organization, I started to realize what people were talking about. And 
I'll be honest, that was a multi-year journey for me. Once I had a taste of that, I realized that there's so much more potential that I can realize out of myself and help other people around me in that process. And it was, uh, it, just be, it was like a light bulb going off as I realized that. Since then, I've been on this, this journey of kind of chasing that, that alignment, if you will, that self-actualization. And uh, I would call it a journey. I don't think it's a destination that I've, uh, that I've arrived at or, or will ever arrive at. But, but it's, it's worth chasing. It's worth pursuing, even if it makes us uncomfortable sometimes. And as I was going through this uh, pretty, pretty steep personal growth experience, um, I, was, I was coming to terms with some of the things that I was uneasy about in my role, things like public speaking or yeah, things like that. And I, I got to a point where I realized that I was providing to the organization something that was needed in that moment. But I also realized that at some point, I'll reach sort of a threshold where the organization requires something that I'm no longer best positioned to bring. I, I thought to myself, like, is, is this just imagined or, or is it real? And as I talked to my supervisors, I talked to some of my family members and, and colleagues, I was able to sort of work through that problem in my mind. And I, the realization I came to was, no, this is authentic. This is real. It's just, a, it's actually a confirmation, right? You know, I, I, can, I can look at what I'm doing and, and know that in this point in time, I'm providing the most value I can, but there's a transition coming. When, it, when it's going to come, I don't know, but it, I know it's coming. Uh, so it was a, it was a confirmation as, as I worked through that verbally over, over time. It took, it took quite a, uh, many hours on the phone, uh, in, in one-on-one meetings with different people. I was slowly able to come to that realization. I would say I point to that as a pretty critical component of my, my growth, my uh, position now. It was in those conversations and relationships um, where people really helped me, where I couldn't help myself. And the, the role I'm in now is, is a product of that. It was a, a need identified that, that somebody looked at and said, hey, Nate would be really good in that role. And he's actually thinking through <laughs> where he can offer the most right now. And, and so that's how I came into the role I'm in now. It was a kind of a cool, uh, a cool journey, a cool um, example of self-actualization concept coming to life in a real way for me personally that I, I like to share with people because I know I'm not the only one that has those thoughts and the, the sense of unease sometimes. I had a lot of self-doubt before I started to go to other people and say that I was uncomfortable with the role I was in. To some, might sound silly. You know, I, I spent nine years at Concerned Veterans for America, and I, I was in the executive role. And people might laugh at me or, or think I'm crazy to start voicing a concern that I'm not in the right role. You know, I've sort of arrived at this leadership role, and there's immense influence and uh, authority that I had, yet I still had this sense of unease. I can look back and say that I came to a point where the unease was just too much to ignore. I had to vocalize it. I had to tell somebody so that I could get that off my chest and process it. And 
it was not it was not a a decision or resolution that came quickly. It was it was a it was over the course of probably about a year. If I look back, it was it was many many conversations about, hey Nate, what what motivates you? Hey Nate, what are you what are you good at? What do you think you bring? Uh, hey Nate, what what do you think you can do? Not just in your role, but maybe in some other roles where where you, you can say that you're you're creating the most value you possibly can. And so I would I would encourage anybody listening if they're if they have that sense of unease, uh, starting with some transparency with with your supervisor or or somebody you trust who can help you talk through that and think through that, uh, using these principles or or tools within principle-based management, uh, that's a good place to start. You know, It may not result in, in a significant change like it did with me, but there are so many different paths and, and things that we can do to get closer to that self-actualization that we, we might not consider right away. In Describing the feeling I had when I, I realized that I was probably not the best leader to lead Concerned Veterans for America into its next chapter, I think that I, I was able to look back in the moment and say, hey, I've, I've done some great things here in applying my unique skills, in applying my experience and credibility as an as a Army veteran in setting the organization down a path where it was able to sort of mature, I, I felt a, just an incredible sense of pride and uh, fulfillment in where we were and how I had helped us get there. And simultaneously, I could look forward in time and realize, gosh, I, I don't know if I have what it takes to take the next step with the organization. There were needs that it had that I I just could sense. I'm probably not best equipped for this. And and frankly, there were people around me, uh, one of which was my my deputy, who's now the executive director, that I looked at and said, wow, I, I actually think somebody else might be better equipped to bring the organization where it needs to go next. And that was a that was a humbling experience, but it was also it was a realization that gave me a a sense of peace when I accepted that, and I I didn't have to be ashamed of it. I just had to be realistic about it, and I became okay with that uh, when I when I did realize it. And um, it it might sound crazy to 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 a listener or somebody, but. That's the best way I can describe that feeling, and uh, I'm glad I came to that realization because I, n- not only do I think Concerned Veterans for America now is best positioned with the leadership it has to move into the the place you know to to help to reach its potential in in this chapter and its journey, but the place I'm at now, I think, is also better equipped uh, because of what I'm bringing to it. And so there was a, a mutual benefit that happened there. And that's one thing that I, I like to point to when I talk to people about my story is that uh, this is not a, not a zero-sum game in life. 
we can add value in other places, but also help those around us uh, do the same. So when I talk about my experiences and some of the personal unease that came with this feeling of playing the part of an imposter, I think that it's created the conditions for humility in me personally. And I'm actually grateful for that now that I look back because uh, it's kept me pretty grounded. It's kept me in check with, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've realized what I'm good at, but I've also come to terms with what I'm not great at. And we all have those things. That's not something that I, I only struggle with. A lot of people struggle with that. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that, that sense of unease in myself because I've, I've been able to sort of keep myself in check, stay humble, just takes humility. Applying the concept of self-actualization can help us achieve a lot more than we realize. And I mean that by saying pursuing the things that we are naturally good at, the things that bring us lots of meaning and purpose, and then doing that in a way that's valuable to other people, those are the areas that we're going to see true achievements, right? And it's not always going to be, you know, that, that dream job or that, that salary that we're chasing or the things in life that a lot of people look at and think, oh, that's a great achievement. It's, it's a, a feeling and purpose that is the real benefit. Our society oftentimes has a too narrow view about what it means to find purpose and meaning in life. I think that um, there's sort of a, a inward-looking mindset about what it means to kind of reach your potential. And the thing that I like about the approach of principles-based management and the alternative that we take in this concept of self-actualization is that there's a missing component there, right? Yes, we're motivated by the things that bring that sense of purpose or meaning. Yes, we're, we're, we're motivated to do the things that we're naturally good at because those are things that we're successful in. But if, if we do those things in a way that doesn't bring value to our, our families or our communities or in a, you know, a, a, an employment situation, a, an organization, or society, then it's, it's hollow. It doesn't actually create the kind of value that we would hope it does. But when you add that component into it, creating value for other people, it's, it, it takes on another dimension that gets you over that line. And uh, it gives you a sense that, hey, what I'm doing isn't just fulfilling for me. It's, it's really helpful for somebody else. It's like a whole nother level of motivation and, and purpose you can draw from that situation. And that's what I love about Stand Together is because there's that, that concept of mutual benefit and contribution that I think is a, a key motivator in, 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 in me but in, in any individual. When I was working through this sense of unease I had around my, my self-actualization journey, it was, it was really helpful for me to just have conversation with other people around, about that. Um, and, and many times in those conversations, I got challenged a lot, and I 
I had to kind of bring my thinking back to the drawing board many times and think through problems like, hey, Nate, is this just your insecurity manifesting? Nate, is this you realizing that you're just in the wrong career path? <laughs> or is it, Nate, are you realizing that um, some of the, the skills that you bring, while valuable now, are, are going to need uh, a different kind of uh, application down the road, right? Or, or, or maybe a, a growth in a particular area. And so it was, a, it was a good accountability mechanism to keep myself honest about where I was trying to get and keep myself honest about the mindset that I had in that point in time. You know, I, I didn't want to throw myself into a position where I wasn't going to be able to fulfill myself or fulfill the needs of the, the organization because those things are, 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 would be barriers to further self-actualization. And so I was okay with the fact that they were dead ends. And we just moved forward um, in agreement that that just wasn't the right one. Um, but uh, the position I'm in now was one that really stood apart. And I'm glad that the opportunity presented itself at Stand Together Foundation because it was a good alignment of the things that motivate me, the things I'm good at. And it was what the business really needed in, in, in the moment. When I heard about the opportunity at Stand Together Foundation, that really jumped out at me as an exciting opportunity. And the reason it jumped out at me is because I could sense in hearing the, the specific needs of the, the role, the needs of the organization at the time, those were things that I had learned about myself that I was good at. I, I just sensed that, hey, if this opportunity is there, and, and uh, the business leader is saying that, that that's what the organization needs, gosh, I, I feel pretty good that this is a, this is a good bet. This is, this is a scenario where I think that I can contribute to the fullest extent with my natural gifts, and it's going to be valuable. And, and, and that's going to be something I'm proud of and, and feel good about. So as we walked down that road, I, I started asking some of the questions that I had asked myself before. And we were able to talk through those things. And, and it turns out it was, it was, it was very well aligned. And from those, those conversations, I was able to realize that, hey, I can, I can really make a difference by applying my skills here in this, in this Stand Together Foundation role. And um, it's not like that didn't come with some, un <laughs> with some discomfort also. I knew it was going to be a big challenge. And it is a big challenge, right? But I've, I've, I've learned to sort of embrace that because those are our learning, growth, stretching opportunities. So I embraced it. I, I said, you know, this is, this is definitely something that aligns. And I think it's going to be a, a great next step in my growth and in pursuing that self-actualization. And so I took the opportunity. In thinking about and uh, accepting this, this opportunity at Stand Together Foundation, I, was, I had to come to terms and be really confident that the things that I thought about what I'm good at have been reinforced. Just my short time so far has really validated some of those natural gifts, 
somebody might look at my background as a as a army veteran, uh, my time at Concerned Veterans for America, and say, you know, what what happened to that motivation to to uh, improve the lives of veterans and uh, military families? Uh, it, that hasn't gone anywhere. I am still really driven to serve that community because I feel like I'm a part of that community, and I I can really relate to a lot of the challenges that 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 community faces on a on a daily basis. But but as I've sort of learned about the the root of that motivation, it's it's not necessarily the fact that those individuals served or sacrificed. It's that they're facing barriers in their lives that are keeping them from from flourishing, from reaching their potential. And as I've come to to terms with the, the principle at play there, I've realized I can, I can apply that to any community, to any group or any, any circumstance where an individual or family or community is facing barriers preventing it from flourishing. And so that's why I've been able to sort of move from the work that I was doing at Concerned Veterans for America over to Stand Together Foundation and apply the same sense of intensity and effort and still be motivated by it. For anybody that's dealing with a sense of unease about about self-actualization, they feel unfulfilled or they feel like they're not applying the skills that they're naturally gifted at or they feel like they're they're not actually creating the kind of value that they want to be be creating for those around them. My advice would would be to embrace it, right? Embrace that unease and take it as a signal that you might not be where you want to be in your self-actualization journey, but that's the first step in getting to a better place is kind of realizing that you're not where you need to be. And from there, as you sort of, uh, you know, internalize that, as you, as you, uh, look inward in an introspective way as you have uh, conversations with those people that you trust who you think can help you uh, reach the conclusions that you need to, to reach. Those are, those are parts of the journey that you're not going to get to unless you really take ownership. There are some really practical, uh, simple things that we can do to, to work through these uh, tensions or, or ideas Something as simple as writing down your thoughts can be a really powerful thing. I, you know, when I was going through this journey, I regularly write notes to myself or just ideas that I have. And, and when, I, when I look back, those thoughts that I wrote down were helpful in, in staying connected to what I was thinking in that moment, which helps me remember uh, kind of how, how far I've come or why I had that sense of unease in the moment. So, you know, writing things down or that's one thing that's really, really uh, valuable to me, and I, I think a lot of people would get some value in that. The use of relationships as a way to work through these problems also are is, it's a great tool to to use the the trust that you have in others, or maybe the perspective that other people bring, uh, whether that's your supervisor or a, a, a mentor. Staying honest, being held accountable, being challenged are things that won't happen unless you're, you're working through this with other people, at least not to the extent that you could, right? 
And so those are a couple of, of things I would absolutely challenge people to, to, to do at any point in time. But certainly if you're feeling unease, talk to somebody about it. Uh, write down what you're thinking. Being in an organization that embraces this, this idea of self-actualization um, and sort of a, a, an encouragement to feel empowered to take ownership of that was critical in my journey. I think that if I hadn't felt so empowered when I went through this, I, man, I, I don't know if I would have come to the same conclusions that I did. I may have just stayed in my role longer. I may have looked for other opportunities outside of the organization. I'm not sure. But I probably wouldn't have come to the conclusion that I did in the moment. And because I felt empowered, because I felt ownership, because I felt uh, supported in the journey that I was on, as long as I, I had that motivation to contribute and a, and a mindset to create value, I knew that those around me were going to support me in that. And so it was a powerful realization. It was very empowering as I went through it. I think that there's good lessons in this concept of self-actualization for supervisors. Supervisors have a incredibly important responsibility. They are charged with helping their direct reports, their teams create the most value. And the way that we help people create the most value that they're capable of is by helping them self-actualize. And I think that every supervisor should really embrace that responsibility as they develop relationships with their direct reports, as they get to know who they are as individuals and, and help them along that journey. There's a great quote that I really connect with from Maslow. And the quote is, every person in part is his own project. And that really struck a chord in me when I read it for the first time because I can look back at my journey and know that I'm sort of taking a sense of ownership. I'm, I'm my own best advocate, if you will, as I go through this journey. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. It is a journey. There's, there's probably not a, a destination of sorts to this journey. But um, I feel like I have the, the tools. I feel equipped to do that through this concept of self-actualization. And uh, it's, it's very rewarding. Wow, thank you so much, Nate, for sharing your honest thoughts, challenges, and triumphs. And to our listeners, I hope Nate's story resonated with you in the way that it did with me. What are my takeaways? First, I thought it was fantastic to hear how Nate had the support of his supervisors and others within the Stand Together community as he sought to make meaningful changes to his role. Imagine how his journey may have looked differently without that support. He might not have even gotten started down the path. I was also impressed with Nate's honest introspection and the open conversations that came as a result. Those choices he made seemed to be an integral part of Nate's journey. And it's not surprising, really, because when we are honest with ourselves and with each other, each of us can be in a better position to discover where we can most passionately add value. So I ask, what's next for you on your journey to self-actualize, to live a life of meaning by continually discovering, developing, and applying your unique gifts to benefit others? You can start by having a conversation with your supervisor and colleagues and reflect on a few key questions. 
What are your gifts? What are your passions? Who do you most want to benefit through your efforts? Which of our values can help you cultivate a mindset that will empower you along your journey? Be sure to check out the self-actualize pages on SNAP for a diverse ecosystem of resources to facilitate your journey. You'll find so many tools to help you dive deeper, including my personal favorite, the four circles of self-actualizing. And finally, hey, listen, internal comms is always on the lookout for examples of how colleagues apply principle-based management in their day-to-day -day work for the benefit of themselves and others. If you or someone you know has a story they'd like to share about principle-based management in action, reach out, let us know. We'd love to learn about it. And who knows, maybe we could even feature your story in a future episode. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for tuning in, folks. And we'll see you next time on By Staff, For Staff, a principle-based management podcast.